Welcome to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp. I'm Brendan Draper. I'm Ryan John. And today we're uh, kicking off season three, episode one. And we realized we hadn't done an episode specifically about troubleshooting. And we had a lot of we the whole kind of theme of this new season of the podcast is answering listener questions. That's going to be a big part of it. And lots of people have questions about troubleshooting. So um, let's just jump into it. Where do you want to start out, Ryan? Well, I do want to preface that it's not that we've ignored troubleshooting for three seasons. It's sure. that in episodes, we talked about troubleshooting the things related to that episode. So I know the signal flow episode has a whole little bit on troubleshooting. Um, I think we had maybe when we were talking about DIs in some other episode, we had an episode a bit on troubleshooting. We talked about um, some RF stuff in some of the monitor episodes, things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we yeah, it's ignored it. It's just that now we're going to focus specifically on this and I guess focus on it specifically from the most common problems or the most thing, the things you're most likely to run into and the most likely culprits for those problems. Does that sound about right? Yeah. And I, I feel like before we get into the specific problems, I'd like you to tell us your kind of philosophy about troubleshooting real quick. Ooh, my philosophy on troubleshooting. I mean, the problem in general is that it, it kind of relates to what the problem is. Uh, and what the problem is kind of varies the philosophy. But as a whole, um, when it comes to solving a problem, I, I always go by the split the problem in half and figure out which half of that has the problem. Um, and then from there, once you figured out it's, oh, the problem happens on this half of this kind of signal chain, if you will, then split it in half again and figure out which half of the signal chain it happens to there. At which point you've eliminated the most stuff as possible uh, in each go. Um, I guess as we kind of dig into some of these specific problems, we can be a little bit more specific about what split the problem in half means. Yeah. Because I, I think to some people that's, that's a... What what is what does that mean? Like my mic's not little, making a sound. What do you mean split it in half? Like, don't get don't get out scissors. Don't get out an axe. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, we, we'll talk more specifically about that. Um, I think one of the overarching things though regarding troubleshooting though really boils down to understanding your signal flow of what it is you're trying to troubleshoot, and then also understanding that what has been executed in that scenario is actually in line with what your understanding of the signal flow is. Meaning Mm. like, oh, I I think the signal flow is this, but actually what's happened is it's been patched in a different way or things have been routed Mm. in a different way. You need to make sure that those two things are the same. Your understanding of the signal flow and what's actually been done. uh, Make sure those two things are the same. And you need to do that before you actually start poking at troubleshooting. Like don't don't mm. don't unplug sure. something. Don't change a mic. Don't do any of those things until right. you understand those two things. You know what I mean? Make sure reality matches the the plan or whatever's in your head of what it actually what what you think it is. Right. And 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 to your point of the plan, if you're doing anything like cross patching, write it down. Spreadsheets. 
it doesn't even have to be a spreadsheet, but if you got an I input mean, list and yeah. you know you're gonna you're gonna cross patch, you know, for the first bunch of inputs, right? Yeah, red stage box one, two, three, four, seven, twelve. You know, right. write them down just so yeah. that it's written down. Because like when the problem comes up, you might I don't know be a hundred and ten feet away on the other end of the snake <laughs> or something like that. And if you're the only guy who knows the cross patch, like what is anyone else gonna do to fix it? It just needs to be written down right. somewhere. And yeah, if you're really if you're good about this. With- or sorry, if you're working with other people, you know, if you're working with, like other you're people. always working with other people, man. Got to write well, it down. Well, I, not, I, I guess that's not actually true. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, there's plenty of small venue gigs I do sometimes where it's just me, and I'm like, I don't need to fucking write it down. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, and and then because you didn't write, write it down, you're like, wait, where was the vocal patched? Fuck, let no, me go trace anymore. a cable. You know, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. It's fine. You're too. You're too <laughs> pro for that. I'm too pro. All right. Okay. So let's let's jump into the simple problems and uh, let's get specific. And it's funny that I just said simple problem because this problem is not <laughs> actually that simple. <laughs> Honestly, my answer to this is just give up. Just give up. That's what yeah, I want to j- say. Just quit. Okay. Or the first thing on, on our list. Else. The first thing are on our list of common issues that comes up is hums. Right. So what that means is you got your line plugged in. You pull it up. Or before you pull it up, you look at your meter and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. there's level at minus 30. I wonder what mm. that is. Is nobody playing? Like, what is that? Mm. Now, I will tell you, before you unmute that, make sure that level is down. Yeah. Because please. you don't know what that is. And um, down in the monitors, too. In <laughs> down the monitors. in the monitors. Uh, honestly, I'd say grab headphones first. You'd be like, oh, there's level there. Right. I wonder what it is. Yeah. Grab headphones first. Cue it. And, you know, turn up your headphones slowly because you don't know what you're going to be getting there. Um, yeah. so, kind of for a lot of this stuff, you know, a lot of these things. <laughs> yeah, headphones. That's, that's true. <laughs> headphones make it a lot easier to remove a bunch of other things in between this problem and your ability to hear it. Right. And, 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 and maybe if it is like a problem, you're like seeing spikes. This is going to be on, but like. Just put the headphones around your neck. Don't even put them on your ears. You know, like if yeah. there are problems, like a disconnection problem, that could be. You don't blow out your ears. Yeah, sure. And also, in general, if you think there's a problem happening, you know, start with your headphone volume all the way down. Yeah. Cue it, and then put them on your ears, and then turn it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're doing everything to protect yourself here. Protect yeah. yourself yeah. and protect and other people there. You know, you else. don't want to be putting this stuff through a PA. Yeah. Uh, or through wedges, right? So, okay. Right. Hums. If you got a hum on the line, first off, you'll usually see it at the bottom of a meter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's easy to see that and go, oh, well, that's just, you know, kind of the noise floor. Because sometimes it is, right? Mm-hmm. But um, so, if well, you see that... Oh, sorry? I mean it's probably pretty bad if you can like see it on the meter, if it's the noise floor, like you're saying just the noise floor of the console. Or of like well, the, it, well, or it could be instrument. an open microphone, right? If it's an open okay, microphone, okay. there's, there's, there's okay. you know, I don't know, air conditioning sure, and other stuff. Like you, you could be gotcha, visible gotcha, that gotcha. it's there, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. If okay, it's a DI, I, I see what you're saying. If it's DI and you're seeing level, well then that's a different kind of problem, right? Okay. Okay. So let's say we've got a hum on the line and you know, let's say it's a low hum, right? Like the mm, kind of mm-hmm. noise in there, right? What's mm-hmm. your first uh, instinct for correction? I mean, the gut reaction is ground lift. If it's like a DI, I'm like, is yeah. it a DI? 
does it need a ground lift? Yeah. That's kind of my gut reaction. Yeah. I mean, and if it's DI, ground lift is pretty much always the first thing I'd go for there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next is like, what is it? Is it a guitar? Is there cables plugged in? Is everything plugged in everywhere? So, so I, I, I actually have, I actually have an extra step that you should include before you even okay. go to the ground lift. And that extra step is, does the actual instrument come through as well? Or is it mm. just a hum and you don't get mm. the signal? Mm-hmm. Right. So that, let's say, let's say it's a keyboard plugged into a DI, right? And you got mm-hmm. a hum, but when they play the keyboard, you do hear it. You go, okay, cool. Right. This is probably a grounding issue and a ground lift can solve it. Right. But if they play the keyboard and there's nothing, it may mm-hmm. not be a grounding issue. It may actually just be that right. there's cables terminated in the wrong place or, or there's just a, a quarter inch key, uh, cable that was supposed to go into the keyboard, but it's not. And it's just sitting on the floor and now it's making this kind of noise. Yeah. Or half you know? patched. Right. So if you've got your instrument making sound, yeah, I would agree with you a thousand percent. Immediately jump to this is probably a ground lift issue or a grounding issue period. Mm-hmm. So is there any particular workflow for you in terms of like how you deal with, you know, sorting out ground lifts? I mean, do you, do you mute the channel before you flip things? Like, what do you do? Um, uh, no, I, I, I don't usually mute the channel before I hit the ground lift. I mean, I, I hit the ground lift and like listen to it so that I can hear if it changes, you know? So, so if you're on monitors, what you'd then do is probably cue that channel, walk out, yeah. flip the lift and either it's gotten worse or it's gotten better. Right. Exactly. Okay, but at that point, yeah. you don't have that going to anyone else's ears, right? Or going to any wedges, right? Well, I, I mean, I might have it going like a little bit if I'm the only one out there or like have it going just to my headphones, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess my implication there is that when I say you cue it and you walk out, I've just assumed that you have a cue pack and you've got a pair of in-ears. Gotcha. Now, that may, yeah, not, yeah, that yeah. may not be the case. I, you're, you're, you're dead right. on. You're dead yeah, on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if but it's yes, wedges if I was and you're on the e- only one out there, yeah. Right. Yeah. If I was on ears, then yeah, I'd just have it cued to my pack and I'd walk right. out, flip the ground yeah. lift and see. That was, that was my bad jumping right ahead and making that assumption. But okay. yes. So, okay. So make sure it's not going to anyone else basically. And you know, if you're at front of house and you're hearing this problem, don't put it in the PA, just put it into your mm-hmm. headphones and listen to it. Um, someone run out, flip that ground lift. It either gets better or it gets worse. Right now, your hope is that it gets better and it goes away immediately. Like, oh, cool. Or, or just drops a bunch in level and it's, you know, quiet enough that you're okay. Mm-hmm. There are some scenarios where you hit it and it gets a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? Well, my, that's my question for you, Brendan. What do you do? Because I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I, I call someone else. I say, hey, man, you fix this. I don't know how to do this. What's wrong with your guitar? Exactly. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with your guitar? Um, oh, so... Man. So at that point, um, I want to source where it's coming from, right? Yeah. And the assumption is that your grounding was technically correct in the quieter position. You know, your grounding on that DI was technically correct in that quieter position. Uh, Were you about to say something there? I was going to say, do you think we should touch on like, if we're solving this problem, where we would split it in half? Well, because the the half is the DI. The half is the DI. Okay. Because either this is sourced from before the DI or it's sourced from the DI and later. Right. Uh, And, you know, to, to, I guess your point of kind of poking at that, 
that's not technically the halfway point. Yeah. But it kind of is the halfway point for where a hum is going to come from. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. That so, makes sense. so flipping that ground on the DI, it, it's just because the DI is already there. The DI is already going to have a ground lift on it. It's quite an easy, quick place to go, okay, halfway, here, here's where this thing gets solved. Now, mm-hmm. when you flip that and it goes quiet, great, problem solved. You didn't really find out that the problem was sourced after the DI, but you kind of did. Because what it's really telling you is that there's a grounding differential between your audio system that that DI is plugged into via that XLR's third pin, you know, the grounding pin, Mm -hmm. and the instrument that is grounded via its, you know, ring or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And when you flip that, you've kind of solved that there's this differential between the two. And it kind of leans towards, okay, kind of that's audio's fault, right? Mm -hmm. If you flip that and the problem gets worse, you go, this is almost definitely on the instrument side. So on the other side of the DI, and it's not a a problem necessarily with the audio side. Now, it still could be, but pretty much all your solutions now are going to be on the instrument side. Right. So if you flip that, or sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say one way to just know that it is on that side of the DI is where I plug a 58 or something into the cable and just make yeah. sure there's no hum. Yeah. And then you know it's it's before the DI. Too. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and that is exactly to the point of splitting the problem in half, right? Yeah. So let, let's say you plug a 58 in and there is a hum. Now mm-hmm. that now that tells you, oh shoot, this hum is probably some something in the splitter rack, the or or some or some somewhere else, like maybe just differential between two consoles that are you know being grounded. Right. Uh, at that point, hopefully you've got a splitter that has line isolators on each channel, and maybe mm-hmm. you can do a ground lift on that split channel, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully that'll fix it. You might find that oh you don't have that, but when you unplug one leg of the split from, you know, monitor console, suddenly the, the hum goes away. You plug it back in, it comes back. So now your solution is putting a ground lift on uh, inline, you know, like a ground isolator inline uh, on the XLR on one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are kind of the complex uh, issues. That tends not to be yeah. what the cause is. So let's go back yeah. to the other side of it. Let's, let's go back yeah. to the instrument side. Okay, so let's say mm-hmm. we flipped it th- that ground lift and actually got worse than it was before. Right. <clears throat> What's your next step? I guess like thinking of where the next halfway point would be, I think between the instrument and the DI. So... Well, it kind of depends on a lot like, of things. Like if this is, let's yeah. say, a guitar amp with pedal boards and stuff like that. Now that halfway point is remove the pedal board. Right. Um, you know, unplug it from the pedal board. Or, or rather, the easier way is just unplug the input to the amp. And go, oh, cool. Did that make, make the hum go away? Okay, cool. If right. it did, then, you know, it's not directly, but it implies that it's something, you know, as a differential between the pedal board and the amp or, or an unshielded mm-hmm. cable or something like that. But... Okay, let, let's, let's stick with what you said, though, there. The, between the DI and the instrument, um, mm-hmm. how do you solve that? I mean, I would say, like, bypass everything except for just the instrument. So, like, pedal boards, all, all that kind of stuff, just go straight into the DI with that instrument mm-hmm. um, is what I would do and see if it's still there. And then you know, if, it's, if it is still there, then you know 
it's from that instrument. And if it's not, then it's something within that musician's chain of, of gear. Right. And, and if that's the case, um, your options to fix it are not necessarily the greatest. Um, yeah. What you do want to make sure is that where they're pulling power from for things like pedal boards and an amp are actually mm-hmm. the same power source. Yeah. Um, but the stage those power are, is like the same. Yes, circuit, correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. If those are on two different circuits or two different sources, that can cause problems. Uh, secondly, you want to make sure there's shielded cables. You want to make sure someone is not using a speaker cable to run from their pedal board into their amp because that's an unshielded <laughs> cable. Hey, mm. uh, you, you laugh. I've seen it. Wow. Um, does it another, work? It, it does work. It's just noisy, really noisy. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it just, it does to connect the two lines. It's just, it's gotcha. not, you know, wrapped, if you will, in, in shielding, right. you know, and it's not, uh, yeah, anyways. Um, so yeah, those are two options. Um, another option is, uh, putting an actual ground lift on the power plug for the instrument itself. Uh, that's got, that's not an ideal thing to do. Yeah, I've gotten like, conf- I guess, conflicting data on that. Like a lot of people say that's just like super dangerous to do. Um, but I honestly, I don't know like for certain if it is or not. Um, I, 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 kinda, I, yeah, it, it, it I, is kind of dangerous to do, but it depends on what it is you're talking about. If you're talking about, you know, a high gain tube amplifier, it's a lot more dangerous because there's a lot more voltage running through a lot of different things and mm. guitars get grounded through the strings, right? right. So then, if you've if got a guitar no player that's touching those strings and then their, I don't know, face touches their vocal mic, yep. they're grounding through the vocal mic, right? But if you've got, and, I don't know, a Kemper or, uh, I don't know, a, a, a keyboard that has a three prong, you know, connection, there's really low risk that mm. lifting mm. that ground is going to cause a problem. Because it's right, those are no longer grounding through you as a player anymore. Yeah. So good point though. Yeah, don't you know try to avoid ground lifting actual high gain guitar amps, bass amps, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, then it'll ground through your body. That's not great. Right. Don't <coughs> cut the don't cut the ground pin off. Anything. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Um. So you know that's a bunch of potential solutions there for hums. Uh, there is also a certain point where. I don't know, LED lighting might be right there or a video wall might be right there and there's no way you can make that completely go away just because there's some amount of interference. You know, the the, like MacBook uh, charger like bricks sometimes cause that. Yeah. Cause a hum. Yeah. And then there's also the very specific sound of a phone when you're getting text messages and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the... Yeah, that, I haven't that heard that in a long time. It used to happen all the time. But yeah, I, yeah. I think I think maybe they got better at that interference. Or, like or, or once things went to 4G or 5G or whatever, yeah. it, it doesn't do it anymore. But that used to yeah, be a thing that if that someone was, put their phone right on top of a guitar amp or yeah. phone right on top of certain things, you could hear it. That was um, kind of fun. <laughs> it was kind of fun because if I'm not mistaken, I knew a dude who could tell you which service it was based on the sound. Cause like it was a different oh, wow. pattern for different services. <laughs> I don't know funny. if that was true or not, but he used to say he could, and I never tested him on it, but it just seemed fun. 
Nice. All right, all right. So let's pretend, you know, we've solved our hum issues. And again, there are certain scenarios where things like lighting or video are going to make a hum and there's absolutely mm-hmm. nothing you can do to get rid of it without, yeah. you know, going around and wrapping everything in tinfoil. I don't know. Um, but, you know, in certain scenarios, there's almost no way around it. Uh, if you've got things like, you know, gain settings on guitars, if you reduce the gain, you'll reduce the sum, uh, the, the hum. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can use noise gates on anything that's particularly high gain, go for it. Um, mm. You can also key your noise gates off of lower frequency areas so mm. that the buzz that's, you know, happening, let's say in, in 50 hertz or whatever, you know, you're keying from somewhere else from uh, frequency-wise from that. So that that buzz from the grounding or whatever isn't coming through. Or if it's mm. like a hiss that's there, key it from something in the mid-range so that, you know, the hiss doesn't open that gate. Hmm. Gotcha. Obviously, not ideal scenarios, but not you know, ideal, you still yeah. want to clean it up. Yeah. All right. So th- that was kind of hum and buzz at the same time. Yeah, but... I feel like that's they're kind of <laughs> similar. Yeah, we had written down buzz as a separate thing, and they kind of are the same. They're both related to interference. Hums, mm-hmm. you know, down in that fifty sixty cycle range, tend to be related to grounding. Buzzes tend to be related to interferences. Um, some of the other things you can do to solve that is not running power cords in parallel with, you know, mic cables or instrument cords hmm. and, you know, instead yeah. crossing them at 90 degrees, that does help. Right. Yeah. I've heard that. I've, I don't think I've ever run into that problem, but like, I don't know, it, that must happen. Yeah, but but I, I imagine that's also because you've got decently shielded instrument cables and stuff right. like that. If your shielding's good, you shouldn't run into that problem, but it is generally good practice to not run, um, you know, power like right next to you and parallel to, you know, instrument lines, XLR lines, etc. So if you can, you know, cross them at 90 degree angles. Also making loops of power cables, like, you know, uh, little circles and circles just creates induction loops. So that just mm. actually amplifies the amount of interference it can potentially cause. Hmm. So uh, often people do figure eights because then it kind of inverts the direction of it each uh, time it goes around so that you kind of prevent that induction loop. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I've seen people do that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, little things. They can help. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So let's jump to the next giant problem. Uh, RF and RF dropout. Brendan, mm-hmm. teach me everything you know about RF. I mean, there's, well, I guess there's not a ton to do, but like, basically it kind of depends. Like if you're using a big rack of RF or if you're using a single one or like multiple units that aren't, you know, combined together with one antenna, obviously that's not ideal. Your ideal scenario is you have all your things racked up, combined to an uh, antenna combiner and like one directional antenna above it um but basically if you're in that situation you want you want things to be either it depends on the the brand but you want them to all be on the same group and then have their own individual frequencies um this isn't really an episode about rf though this is an episode about like the dealing with the problems of rf right well well uh, but yeah uh <laughs> you know like Let's assume that you're pre-show, right? And you're, uh-huh. you know, sound check or, or even pre-sound check and you've got RF going and you're getting dropouts, right? Yeah. Obviously the issue there is that there's interference from something else 
And your only real option is to either, you know, Here's, reposition antennas or rescan and get a new frequency, right? And, and one other key thing that it's connected properly. Well, yeah, that is an interesting thing because I remember I was doing this gig in DC <laughs> and um, I, you know, got, got the ears up and running or whatever. And, um, you know, someone else had set up the whole rack. It was all prepped yeah. when I got there. Mm-hmm. And I started walking the room and I got like 35 feet away and I was like, I'm getting dropouts already. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, the antennas we have, they're pointed straight here. What's going on? And I went and looked at it and the um, antennas were plugged into the input not the output mm, yeah. um, of the combiner. And I was like, oh, well, that's a problem. Moved him over, of course. And, Signal was really, really good. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. Like, you'll still get connection. Like, if, if you stick a paperclip in an antenna hole, you'll get connection. If there's nothing there, you'll get, you'll get some kind of connection. Right. Um, I was doing something similar where I hadn't set up the, the wireless rig for labs at this corporate event, and it was in this big, long, um, big, long uh, conference room. And we did sound check and it worked fine. And so I didn't notice anything. But then when it started and there was like 200 people in there, I started getting drops on the, the labs. Oh no. And, and I was like, what is good? Luckily they were also talking into a podium with a podium mic. So I just ta- turned the podium up. Of course. Um, nice. But uh, what was, what happened is, you know, in the rack mounts for the antenna combiner, the BNC cables at the back weren't connected. Oh, they were connected no. in the front to the antennas going up, but they weren't connected in the back to the combiner. Right. So, yeah, that was... <laughs> so, so that I, was, guess, I guess that in itself is a very good point, right? There is a okay. signal flow also for RF. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure you understand that as well. So... You know, think about the direction that signal is flowing, right? A wireless microphone, the signal is going from the microphone to an antenna, to a receiver that then goes, you know, audio out, right? Which then means that those antennas are receiving, right? So those antennas go to ins on combiners, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. And for in-ear monitoring, those antennas are transmitting to the in-ear monitor. So those go to outs on combiners. Outs. Yeah. Um, those are weirdly a thing that a lot of people seem to not know. They just go, oh, that says A, that says B, cool. I'm just going to plug them in. Uh, that yeah. seems to be a thing that kind of comes up more often than not, that like those things are actually plugged into the wrong place. Or to your point, Brendan, they're not plugged in at all. I've seen that a lot. And right. exactly to your point, it still kind of works when right. they're not plugged in. And that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, a, a thing that I started to do um, uh, when, when kind of getting ears up and running, yeah, you can use workbench and do all those things, mm-hmm. but also I make sure all of my transmitters are turned off for my in-ears, the transmitters, yeah. right? And then I will put it on whatever frequency that I have decided is the right frequency for this thing. And I will walk around and look at it to see if it's picking up any RF. And if it's mm-hmm. picking up any RF with my transmitters off, that means that that is interference, right? Yeah. So you can kind of learn where on stage it's got interference before you've even turned on your transmitters, right? right? And then and when you do that, you can then turn yours on and go to those exact places and be like, is it strong enough for my signal that we're good? You know what I mean? Yeah, and with in-ears, I mean, tell me if you do the same thing, but when I do my first scan on on the pack, I go stand like basically at lead vocal or like the front of the yeah. stage and I do the yes. scan there 
and yep. then I go to sync it to the yeah. I I always scan the well. It, you know, if if you're using something like Workbench and you got a scanner and all that, you scan yeah, it from yeah. wherever that is, right? But <laughs> pardon me, if you're using the packs themselves to scan, I put yeah. the packs in the place where those players are going to be, exactly, um, and yeah. scan from there, and then deploy those frequencies, and then uh, again make sure that the transmission is off and go walk it on that frequency to see how much interference there is. And sometimes you go, yeah. oh, well, there's, there's actually a bunch of this specifically in this one place. Let me try one of the other frequencies. And you'll try one of the other ones. You walk and you go, oh, this one works better. And then, you know, you deploy it at that point uh, and, and turn your transmitters on. Uh, to the point of, you know, BNCs not being connected, that's another thing. On like the PSM-1000s and a couple other models, you can literally flip off that switch that turns off yes. transmission. So yes. do remember that, was, that that needs to be on and lit blue. It needs to, yeah, it needs to be blue and on. Yeah, that that was that came up with another gig I was on too. Um, and uh, I guess just remember you're always scanning from the tr- like if you're manually scanning, you're scanning from the transmitter always. You're scanning right. with in ears. You're scanning from the pack, which is the transmitter. On mics, you're scanning from the rack unit, which is the transmitter. You, so. you are exactly the other way around. You're scanning from the receiver oh. every time. Oh, my wait, what? On in ears, the receiver is the pack. Right. Yeah. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> All good, dude. <laughs> All good. It's because it's the receiver that is actually like receiving incoming frequencies, right? And right. It, it, right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. But yes. Uh, yeah. You're scanning from the device that receives all the Receiver. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's kind of it for RF dropout. You know, th- there's another point to be made for the squelch setting. Squelch uh-huh. settings get ignored a lot. Um, squelch is basically, I'm probably going to say this incorrectly, and someone's going to be like, this fucking idiot doesn't know what he's talking about. But squelch is basically like kind of like a noise gate for an amount yeah. of interference. Right, So once the interference is above a certain amount, you can have a squelch setting effectively go, cool, we don't trust this signal anymore, cut it out, versus letting through noise. Um, On some systems, squelches by default are set really high. Um, It can sometimes be beneficial to move those down to a mid setting um, in order to maintain signal integrity versus having it just full on cut out when it starts getting a little bit dirty. Right. Yeah, I feel like mine are always at five dB. Yeah, I don't know if that. I mean, no, that that seems fair. I mean, I, I think yeah. it's the PSMs that only have a high, mid, and low setting. They don't even have a decibel amount. Oh, interesting. Um, the Sennheisers, I believe, have, have a decibel amount. I think the Electrosonics have a decibel amount. Uh, a bunch of the others do. But yeah, I saw um, one in a, in a rental package that was set to like twenty four, and I was. That's really was low. Over, that's low, <laughs> or is that? Isn't it? Oh, is it the opposite? Like. Five is high and twenty. Or if yeah, f- five five means you know minus five means you. Uh, let's assume it's full scale, right? Let's assume full scale is perfect signal. Uh, once your signal is five dB under perfect, it will potentially cut out. Mm-hmm. When it's minus twenty four, it will let you receive all sorts of noise all the way down to minus twenty four of signal. Interesting. Okay. Um, someone else should confirm me on that because I might be dead wrong on all that information, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was the opposite. <laughs> like, going higher, like, to 24 was, like, l- more squelch. No, like- it's, it, I, I, in my, uh, as far as I understand, that's like setting the threshold for your gate to minus 24 versus the threshold gotcha. to your gate to minus 5. Interesting. 
Okay. Okay. Well, let's cool. let's move off that topic because I feel like I'm lying to you guys about this. If there's um, an RF professional out there that wants to come on the podcast, like please, yes, come. please just do that. Um, I yeah. feel like we wanted that a long time ago and we never got around. Yeah. To it. All right. Maybe the next no one the next common issue. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to skip past this because we're farther along in this episode than we wanted to be. Yeah. Um, we'll do we'll do more troubleshooting later. We'll, on. We'll, we'll you know what? If if you guys want more of this. We'll do more of this. Just let us know. Um, okay, next big problem. No signal into the console, right? And I feel like this one comes up way more often than it should. Even on the highest end gigs, you know? I mean, sure. hell, I was just doing Isle of Wight Festival and one of the artists was, I don't know, half their half their channels. They were like, oh, we're not getting it. Um, so tell me, what's what is your first reaction let's pretend you're at monitors and you go yeah uh i don't know hit hit the keyboard and uh you see nothing uh my first thought is is it patched both like on stage is it patched into a stage box and is it patched is like the is the patch that I think like going back to what's in our head and what it actually is, right? Looking at the, my sheet, okay, it's supposed to be patched into this input. Is that what my patch point is on my console? And is that where that stage box is going? That's like my first thought. So, so I'm I'm going I'm going I'm going to jump one on you there, and this is the it. split it in half. I'm going to go, hey, front of house, do you have that? Actually, I probably do say that. I'm honestly. sure you do. I'm, I'm sure, sure I say you that do. every time. I just didn't think of it. But but we need to say that out loud here, right? Because yeah. this is also part of splitting the problem in half. Because if front of house has it and monitors doesn't, you actually then know you, the problem is between the split right. and and monitor output. Or I guess monitor <laughs> input if you're not seeing meters, right? Right. So your first question should be that. And if front of house has it, you know that you know specifically where this problem is now. If front of house doesn't have it, you know that this problem happens before the splitter. Right. Well, I guess you don't know that for sure. Someone could have completely fucked this up, but it's most likely that this problem happened before the splitter. So now you've split this problem in half, right? There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yes, we're going to want to confirm that what we believe is true is actually true. So let's say that was supposed to come into uh, input 29 in your console, right? So, okay, since I'm standing in front of the console, I'm going to look at my input patch on the console because it's going to be a soft patch. Cool, it is 29. Now, the next thing is, uh, is that keyboard plugged into something that gets to 29? Now, in order to kind of quick solve, I'm going to want to just plug a 58 straight into whatever that stage box input is for the keyboard. That again is splitting the problem in half because now the half is the instrument side and the other half is stage box to splitter. Yeah. <coughs> so I guess what are your two options there? You know, you plug that 58 in and if you get it, what, what does that mean? It, then you know that the problem is from the keyboard to the mic, to, to, to the DI that it's going to or you know, whatever instrument. And if you're not getting it, then you know that the problems between the stage box and the console. Or, or I guess, you know, that a problem is between the stage box and the console, right? There could still be other shit happening on the other end. This is the thing that I've learned is that sometimes problems are happening in three places at once. Hmm. 
you know, and that can, that can make it harder to solve these things, you know? Yeah. I think this is why people can be kind of scared of live sound sometimes, you know, which I mentioned in the other episode, because when something like this happens, it's like <coughs> stress levels can go, go pretty high, pretty fast. W one you're... thing I really want to poke at, um, I see this happen all too often when you change multiple things at one time, yeah. you are not figuring out where the problem is. Yeah. So very often I'll see someone go, oh, oh, well, you know, let's change the DI and let's change the cable and let's, you know, do this and let's do that. Um, it's not helpful to change many things at once, it, or rather yeah. it's not more helpful to change many things at once as it is to yeah. kind of split the problem in half and kind of address individual things. You should kind of figure out where the problem is before you start swapping things out. Yeah, even if you're not splitting... It, it directly in half swap one thing at a time you know right right it's like like an experiment um yeah yeah exactly it is like an experiment and ideally you want to change one thing at a time now where this gets troublesome and this is a very real scenario is that you know you may have your artist on stage when you're finding this out and that mm -hmm. sucks you really yeah. You know, if you have the ability to, you should have made sure that every single one of your lines shows up at your desk clean uh, mm -hmm. before the artist ever gets there, right? And if that's yeah. like a, yeah, well, we've got a DI going to some keyboard. Well, just if it's a backline keyboard, just plug the keyboard in and make sure it makes sound and make sure you get it. If you're waiting for them to bring the keyboard, well, then just plug a 58 into that line and you know that your line system is okay. So if all this stuff happens before the artist ever gets there, then they're never waiting on you. Instead, mm -hmm. they're waiting on their own solutions for their problems, right? But in many scenarios, you know, you only get there, I don't know, 15 minutes before the artist does, so you are going through this stuff the same time they are, right? right. And in those cases, the, the shit scenario is that there's a problem and you need a little bit of time to solve it, but everyone thinks that they are a problem solver, and six different people start telling you what to do in order to fix this problem. Mm. Um, you know, that scenario of so many cooks in the kitchen, like, yes, everyone has insight. Everyone has useful insight. Nobody's telling you something because they think it's a dumb thing to tell you. They think they're telling you it because they're, you know, hoping they're going to help. Right. Right. Now the problem happens when all these people say all these different things and many different things get changed at once. It's okay for there to be seven cooks, as long as there's one person that's actually in charge of executing the things to determine the problem. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, not so, that it's great to have like 10 people telling you what to do. It's, it's better no. and easier for you to have fewer, but you know, you can't stop them from doing that. They're going to do that to you. Yeah. And um, I, and I think that situation, like, this is the point in being a live sound engineer where it's like really important to like keep your cool, like really keep your cool, you know? Um, especially when all the musicians are on stage. Like, I don't know. I see a lot of people just like being aggravated by problems because it is like a time crunch and it's like, just keep, just try and keep calm and fix it. You know, that's like the key in my yeah. opinion. No, to, I, I agree a million percent. It. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is, is that, um, you're trying to solve this problem fast, 
but mm-hmm. you're also trying to solve this problem correctly, right? So yeah. moving slow makes it, it's not great, but moving too fast is equally not great. Yeah. You know, so take your time to understand what's happening, understand what does work, understand what doesn't work, and compare that to the signal flow that you know this is supposed to be. Um, and, oh man, I, I had something else. I lost it. It's gone forever. <laughs> It'll never come back. Okay. But anyways, you I'm get sure the idea. We'll... Yeah. yeah. You know, being good at troubleshooting, I think is probably one of the most important skills in being a live sound engineer. Definitely. I'd say Definitely. it's easily top three. I actually yeah. think being good at troubleshooting actually matters more than mixing, uh, in a I, lot of scenarios. I would. I would agree. I think in terms of like getting jobs and like keeping them and, and, you know, you get better at mixing over time, but like being able to solve problems and like make sure everything's working is just a, such a huge part of it, you know, and well, like not being super aggro while you're doing it as well. Well, yeah, that, that's the other bit is solving the problems, but also making everyone else confident that you're the guy that's solving the problem or making them confident that it's going to be solved, right? There are some scenarios where the right way to solve the problem is not what you should do right now. Meaning, let's say you find that there's some issue with the line system. Well, you can go through the line system and figure it out, or you can home run a cable and be done in 10 seconds. Right. Right. And in some of these cases, you know what? The stage box isn't working. We're not getting that line there. Cool. Well, it's only 15 feet. Grab a 25 foot cable. Let's pin it right now. You guys continue with your sound check or you guys continue with your show. Now, if you're in a scenario of sound check, you do this to get them through really quickly. And everyone goes, cool, man. He solved the problem quickly. It feels good to them. You didn't like force them to wait for you. But as soon as they leave, you go, cool. How do we properly solve this? Right. Right. And, you know, you with your audio folks, you know, be it your monitor engineer, front house engineer, patch person, you know, uh, uh, local hands, whatever it may be. Now you guys actually try to solve the problem, but you still have the backup of this home run. And either you can solve it properly and fix it, or you just keep it on the home run and you just get through the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, being yeah. able to decide when and when's the right time to stop and do the hack fix is really important. Mm hmm. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. I know that you've gone through uh, that before. No, no. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, choosing the simplest solution is usually, or the, the simple fast solution is usually the right way to go in the moment. And then you solve it. And then you, you do the detailed like problem solving later. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, well, it's definitely in the case where the artist is already there. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're earlier in the day and you know you've got a problem, yeah, actually fix it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 that being said, like do what you can to avoid these problems. Like we were saying before, like tap test all the mics before they get on stage. You right. know, make sure you're getting signal everywhere at front of house and monitors. Like even if it is you, you've got like five minutes before the artist gets there or two minutes, you could do a tap test at that time and get, get slightly ahead of the problem, you know? Yeah. And, um, and you yeah. know what, to that, to that point, you know, let, let's talk festivals for a moment, right? Cause this is where this kind of stuff often happens where things get cross patched incorrectly. Right. Um, you know, you may have to kind of fit into a festival patch or you may have a specific 
you know, setting a specific patch that they've just not seen before. They're, they're seeing it on a sheet. You're not necessarily the one doing it. Someone else is potentially doing this cross patch. Sometimes stuff comes up in the wrong place, right? Mm-hmm. In the context of doing something like that and stuff doesn't show up, um, you're usually going to find out when you're doing your line check before you're set. Unless you're the headliner, at which point, you know, you're sound checking in the morning, whatever, and you, you know, you play at night, right? Uh, but you're usually going to find out in that time period. And that time period is, is a time crunch time period, mm-hmm. right? So if you go, cool, kicks shows up, snare shows up, rack time one, rack time one, rack time one, rack time one's not showing up. Tell someone, go, cool, we need to sort out rack time one, and then just finish the rest of your line check. Yeah. And while you're going through the rest of your line check, someone is solving that problem. Hopefully mm-hmm. to the point that by the time you get to the end, you go, cool. Did we get racked on one yet? Oh, cool. Now we have it. Cool. We're good mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. So you're not holding up all the rest of the stuff you need to do in order to solve this one thing. Like honestly, if we never got racked on one, we'd still have a show and it would be yeah. a good show. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. That, that same process I feel like is like when you're actually doing sound check, especially when it's, you know, not a band that you're, you're with, you're like working at a venue, like you're going through sound check, like don't stop because the guitar player is like fucking around with his pedals or something was wrong with the cable there. Like go to the next instrument, like, well, you know, while you're, yeah. if you're in a time crunch. Right? Now, obviously you need to yeah. make note of all of these things, you know, okay, this didn't come through. And because that didn't come through. Um, we need to come back to it. You know, you need to remember all of those things you need to come back to. But, you know, ideally, you don't hold up everything else to fix this problem. And instead, you kind of put that problem upon someone who is able to solve it as you go through the rest of it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's actually quite important. I, I've seen that kind of go wrong too many times. Um, you know, an, another point for, you know, no signal showing up, check that you have phantom power on in all the right places. Yep. Because, you know, be aware of what things need phantom power and, you know, make sure you have it on in the right places. That is often a culprit for, you know, things not showing up. And uh, if you need to turn phantom power on, make sure you mute the channel when you do. Yeah. And sometimes uh, stage boxes, like older ones, phantom can like not work on certain channels. So that's something that, to look out for. That That is also a good point, actually. Like that's not a thing that that many people seem to know but sometimes you plug a 58 in and it works fine but you Mm -hmm. plug something that requires phantom power and it it doesn't um i know that um when we run through doing line checks on on orchestra stuff almost every single one of those mics is is active mics right so we run run around with an sm81 you know which is uh, a phantom powered microphone so you know that phantom works um although I'm trying to do that a little differently now because I'd like to check the line system, including the microphone every time. Mm. Uh, and I don't like when people just go and tap the mic because tapping the mic doesn't tell me that it works properly. It just means that sound came through. Mm-hmm. It, it could have distortion in it. It could be one legged. It could be any of many other things. So mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do these days is walk around with a pink noise generator and walk mm. up to each mic and hold it in front of it and it should sound full range walk up to the next one hold it in front of it should sound full range walk up to the next one i mean when you got to check 170 inputs you know you got to do it quickly yeah, so yeah you do what you can right yeah that's cool um i feel like this episode could go on forever because this is you know 20 yeah. years of learning that kind of teach you how to solve problems faster and faster but yeah, um, i think 
we're going to come back is, to this is a good cover so far right yeah yeah i think we're going to come back to to a lot of troubleshooting because i feel like a lot of people's questions are going to be out about troubleshooting specific things or like what what happens when you something like this goes wrong so you know yeah let's circle back and we could do another full episode too at some point for other specific troubleshooting sounds good to me well thanks for uh joining us for the first episode of season three yeah thanks guys um you know you can go on the facebook group and interact there there's a bunch of people on there asking questions feel free to drop yours and you know we'll be on there responding but we'll also be kind of taking all those questions into account on these episodes and and uh talking about them so yeah you can also email us at uh live at gmail.com and i think we still have the website livesoundbootcamp.com do we i think so and if we don't sorry he'll be back <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks guys 